Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. From Pigs.com, our friend Jeff Rabjohn's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hey, Jeff, I know that there was a ton of preparation and understanding knowing that Jalen Hood Shafino was going to bounce after this freshman season where he was Big Ten Freshman of the Year. How difficult will Mike Woodson and company find it to replenish what they have lost, in particular with that starting freshman talent this past year? Yeah, I mean, it's going to take some work in the transfer portal. They certainly have some options, but um, these guys in the portal who can play and project to have impact are highly sought-after players. Uh, and schools are being very aggressive because they know um, some programs know two, three good portal additions could really change their season. Some programs know, hey, if you don't do well in the portal, you may be in a little trouble next year. And, you know, I think that's where, you know, IU is right now. They're, they're a little bit like where maybe an Illinois was a year ago. Um, you're going to need two or three portal guys to come in and play well. Um, to make sure that you remain an NCAA tournament, uh, you know, contending type team. And uh, they've got one commit already, Peyton Sparks from Ball State, uh, 6'9 center. You know, he, he's a good, you know, depth piece, you know, gives you some, some added depth on the front court. But, but he's not, you know, nobody's projecting him to come in and play major minutes or have major impact. So they're still on the lookout. And, um, you know, they, they've, they've been to visit some players. They've, Got uh, you know an official visit coming up with Chris Ledlam, six six wing from from uh, Harvard, who averaged almost nineteen points last year. So you know the portal uh, portal pursuits for Indiana are in full gear. Caleb Love, where might be the interest? Uh, obviously, I think we understand the interest from the IU side. What about the Love side? From what you hear. Hmm. Well, I talked to his dad for a while the other day uh, when I first put the story, put the first story up, and uh, there's definitely mutual interest. You know, he wants to go to a place where they're going to win. He wants to go to a place where um, the court will be spaced. He wants to go to a place where there's somebody who has an understanding of how to get guards prepared for the NBA. And with Jalen Ojefino going to the NBA after one year, that's another card for Indiana to play with, with yeah. Caleb Love because when Jalen Fino graduated from Montverde. Nobody was projecting him to be one and done. You know, a lot of people said, you know, there's the potential with the positional size at six foot five. With I think they graduated high school is listed like six eight six nine wingspan now listed at six ten, but there wasn't anybody saying, oh, clear first rounder and maybe lottery. Well, Woodson did a really good job with with Jalen Fino. Really developed his ability to play in the ball screen, make decisions, turn the corner, hit that, hit those pull ups. Um, understand when he's going against, uh, you know, hedges, understand when he's going against drop coverages, how to function in a variety of settings. So, you know, that's a, excuse me, that's a card that Indiana has to play. And, um, you know, Indiana's had conversations already with Caleb Love. They've had conversations with his family. They've had conversations with others. So as of right now, you know, there is a pursuit for Indiana towards Caleb Love. 
So Jeff Rabjohns of Peaks.com. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I want to double back with you in a second regarding the IU guys that have entered the transfer portal and, and then your thoughts on one year of Jalen Hood, Shafino, and Bloomington. But were you at all surprised? And I don't know if any of us really are legitimately surprised any longer regarding the transfer portal, but Hunter Dickinson of Michigan, their big man going in an hour or so ago, were you surprised regarding that report and that decision? There were some whispers behind the scenes about that one for a couple of weeks. And that was one of the one, one of the big names that um, those of us who track this stuff and talk to people on a daily basis, that's one of the big names we were, we were waiting to see what's he going to decide. And um, so he, he has decided to go to the portal. And I think obviously, you know, they didn't have a great year. Um, I don't know that he's played with, with a great point guard the past couple of years. Um, you know, he's obviously been with some some wings who either are, you know, NBA draft picks in, in, uh, in Houston from last year or projected to be in Jed Howard from this year. But um, certainly I think he's looking for a situation where he can win. He's looking for a situation where, oh, let's see, how can I say this in public? Uh, a school has robust NIL endeavors. Yeah. Um, not that. Not that. That's really. I mean, we can say it out loud now. That's just. Yeah, we can. You know, yeah. If 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 your school does not have good, a robust nil effort, whether it be a collective or what have you, if your school doesn't have solid nil endeavors, um, just don't even make phone calls in the portal. Okay. Just just don't waste anybody's time because it's going to take uh, a solid effort on that front. But I think there's a number of schools to look at for for Dickinson right off the bat. Um, some people think Kentucky. Some people think Georgetown. He is a kid from the DMV, played for Team Takeover out there in the D.C. area. Um, so some people are pointing to Georgetown and Maryland, schools like that. Um, other people say, you know, Kentucky was really close to landing him out of high school, so pay attention to Kentucky. But we'll see. But he will be very coveted. There's no doubt about that. So uh, Jeff Rabjohns, who joins us, I, I know you probably track this a little bit, too. I just don't know to what level. But where does IU stand in terms of their NIL department um, and what they have compared to the other schools out there? Have you run a test on that? Do you know? Um, I don't know anybody can say they know uh, for sure because yeah. most deals with players are private. Um, and even though I know some deals, unless the players make it public, I, I don't know that that's, that's fair to run around and tell people what kids are getting. Um, but what I would say is this, from what I gather, and I would, we're ballparking things, okay? I, I would put IU's NIL efforts for, for basketball probably top 15, 20 in the country, somewhere like that. Um, you know, I was fortunate that they have three NIL arms working. You know, you have the Hoosier Hysterics NIL Collective, um, and obviously Jalen Hudjafino and Malik Renault. I used two star freshmen from this past year were Hoosier Hysterics ambassadors. You have Hoosiers for Good, uh, which, uh, you know, Fred Glass, former IU athletic director, was was important in spearheading that along with a number of other influential boosters. And you have Hoosiers Connect. Uh, being run by by Colin Hartman, former IU basketball player, that is that is working to pair IU players uh, with businesses and, and that kind of thing. A little more direct to direct contact, a little more direct impact for businesses. So IU has three NIL arms. So IU is in a solid position. Um, 
you know, but are they, can they throw around Oscar Shubway money? I don't think so. But can IU do a really good job in the NAL space? I do think so. I do think they're very solid. Is, I've, I've thought this before, and I, I don't know enough to other than just, I guess, make this kind of snap judgment, but is this an, an endless amount of money here, or is there a point in time when all of this for everybody starts to dry up, in your opinion? I think that's a really interesting question. I think that's one of the questions that's kind of hanging out there regarding NIL. Because it's sort of like, uh, it's two-pronged approach. One, you know, it's not really about, you know, return on investment for businesses. It's really not. And I know people, you know, want to clutch their pearls and say that's what it's supposed to be. Now, fine, whatever. I live in the real world. It's really about people and businesses deciding they're going to support their favorite team and donate to a collective or, or, or sign a player to a deal to have him tweet out about their business or what have you. That That's really how it's functioning. And it's it, what, what essentially has happened in a way is all this stuff that you, let's say, allegedly heard about with certain football programs down south where there was under-the-table money, well, a lot of the under-table money is just now on the table, and we can talk about it, and it can be these are contracts now. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how many businesses just decide, you know what, I'm going to put a hundred grand a year into this so that I can help my team, my favorite team be competitive. And how many businesses are going to do that on an annual basis? You know, I don't know, but like Kenya Hunter was saying when he was on the, uh, the podcast with the rising coaches, uh, group, which is just about young coaches, you know, getting going. You know, basically said NIL is here to stay, and if you don't do well in it, you're not going to win. And that's the reality right now, you know. Um, I know we, we're still early in NIL. You still have some people who tweet, I don't want to pay the players. Well, okay, good. Go cheer for Anderson or Wabash or DePaul. You know, I mean, seriously, the world has changed, and the players are going to get money, and the schools that have the – very healthy NIL situation are the ones that are going to be in the best position to attract the most talent. Jeff Rabjohns of Pigs.com joins us. And, you know, obviously there's a great example of that within the transfer portal and the NIL of being really near to where I sit right now, you know, coming out of LC and going to Kansas state and Nigel pack and, you know, and what he has accomplished as a part of that, that Jim Laranega Miami Hurricane team, uh, that probably will help build the theory that, hey, you get guys like this, and that's a difference between, you know, going out in an early round or getting to a Final Four in surprising fashion like this. Well, sure it is. Sure it is. And I think, uh, you know, the Miami uh, NIL deals maybe are a little more known than others because, you know, John Ruiz, the big booster, uh, decided he was going to announce them. <laughs> and, uh, so he did, you know, and he claimed he gave Nigel Pack $400,000 in a car. Um, and I'm, I'm assuming what he's saying is true, but we are making an assumption, you know, and there were similar rumors about what uh, Isaiah Wong got, you know, Isaiah Wong, their, uh, their, their terrific guard who was ACC player of the year. Um, Jordan Miller, uh, their outstanding wing, who was their second leading scorer, a little over 15 points per game. Um, John Ruiz, per John Ruiz's tweets, similar situation there. So you're talking about, you know, well over a million dollars. If if everything that, that has been tweeted is true, 
you're talking about well over a million dollars for the Miami basketball roster this year. And and really, if everything that was tweeted is true, uh, you're probably talking over a million dollars for the, for the three or four main players. Jeff Radjohns at Pigs.com. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So uh, along with Jalen hood who's bouncing now foregoing his eligibility and going to the NBA draft, Jordan Geronimo, Jamar, uh, or yeah, uh, I think you got Bates, you got Geronimo, and you got Duncan all in the transfer portal. Give me an idea or announce an idea where you think these dudes end up. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. You know, with Jordan Geronimo, he's obviously originally from New York and played AAU in Massachusetts. So a lot of people think somewhere on the Northeast or East Coast is is highly likely. You know, Seton Hall had a lot of interest. Um, So we'll see with, you know, with with Seton Hall's situation, if if they pursue, you know, there were some rumors about Providence. There were some rumors about Georgetown. Now that Ed Cooley's there, that situation is a little more stable. So we'll see what happens there with, with Logan Duncombe. Um, there was a lot of speculation about Xavier. Obviously, Duncan, you know, is from Cincinnati. Xavier's yeah. right there in Cincinnati. Uh, there, there's people who Logan played for, you know, in, in high school who have a lot of connections to Cincinnati. A lot, you know, that one really came down to Indiana versus Xavier for his high school recruitment. And then with Tamar Bates, you know, he's, he's originally from Kansas City. So there's been a lot of speculation about teams like Missouri, Kansas State, maybe Marquette, because he originally committed to Shaka Smart when Shaka was at Texas. So I think, um, you know, and, and maybe Memphis, maybe Memphis with Bates, although I, that's a little further than home. But uh, those are the schools that you hear a little bit about initially. And obviously the lists are bigger than that, but those are just some of the schools that, that you hear a lot about early on. Hey, Jeff, what do you think is going to be the outcome of Xavier Johnson? in his quest to, to return and get another season. Yeah, um, I know I is very, very optimistic that he will be granted the, the, the medical redshirt, that he, that he will be able to, to return to IU next year. Um, from what I was told, he was a few minutes over the 30% um, threshold where a medical redshirt is essentially uh, rubber-stamped you know, kind of an automatic type thing. So he's just a few minutes over. But so many waivers have been granted for players who are on a roster uh, during COVID that hopes are very high in Bloomington that that, that that medical hardship waiver will get granted. And then obviously, you know, Indiana has its starting point guard for next year. All right, Jeff, too, as far as Jalen hood Shafino is concerned, freshman of the year just had an outstanding first and only year in Bloomington I think you said it right a little bit earlier too I mean he was a guy that many didn't think was going to have these opportunities after year number one as a freshman and he did and you know not only making himself look attractive for the NBA draft but also I'm assuming making the coaching staff in Bloomington look attractive for what they did with him after one year yeah there's no doubt that the Jalen Hutchfino becoming a first-round NBA draft pick, possibly even a lottery pick. You know, we'll see what happens. But he seems certainly destined for for the first round. Um, that is a card for Indiana to play in recruiting. And it's something that, that uh, Mike Woodson, Kenya Hunter, Yasir Rosemont, Brian Walsh, Adam Howard, Jordan Holmes, and all those guys, that's something they can out, all, all now reference when they talk to guards, whether it be a guard in the portal, whether it be high school players. You know, they've got demonstrated development. 
and demonstrated development of getting somebody where, you know, where they want to go, which is the NBA. Um, so it, it's a positive thing for IU in, in recruiting. I know some people are like, well, I'd rather have him back for next year. I get that from the same perspective. Very understandable, very normal. But from the big picture perspective, this is now a card that Indiana has to play. And if you get Jalen Hutchfino in the laundry and you get Trace Jackson Davis solidly drafted, even if it's you know early to mid-second round, you start showing, hey, these guys are getting drafted higher spots than they were projected out of high school. That is demonstrated development, and that is a very nice card to play in recruiting. It is. It's Jeff Rabjohns with us at Pigs.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Before I let you go, I, I just saw this because a couple of people sent this to me from Doug Gottlieb about the reason he believes Dusty May is staying at Florida Atlantic is waiting on the IU job. Uh, while I'm sure that it would be great for Dusty one of these days to be a head coach in Bloomington at IU, I can tell everybody right now that he's not sitting there waiting on it. He's going back to FAU because he believes in what he has returning to Boca Raton. He believes in right now what he is building in Boca Raton. And also, you and I both know this. It's not like that these these vacancies, these opportunities were robust enough for somebody even if you're at Florida Atlantic right now, to want to, to want to bust out of. He may want that one of these days, but it's not like he's sitting there in Boca Raton and waiting on it, Jeff. No, no. You and I both, both you know, talked to Dusty. And, you know, a guy from Eastern Green, um, you know, uh, who was an IU guy, who was an IU manager. Sure, if, if you put truth serum in the arm, would they tell you that I use their dream job? Probably so. But, you know, I, the idea that, oh, he's just sitting around, you know, twiddling his thumbs, waiting for the IU job to open, that's not what's happening. Uh, he has a very good situation. Um, they do apparently um, have some pretty well-heeled boosters. Um, they do have the ability to be fairly attractive. Dusty's a really good coach. I think he has a really good understanding of how he wants to build his team. You know, you know, he's done a really good job with guys like Nelly, you know, John L. Davis, you know, from, from Gary, Indiana. Um, it's a really well-constructed roster. So, you know, when you have – a lot of coaches will tell you this. At some point in time, you don't mess with happy. And if you're getting paid in your current job, people sometimes don't job jump. Um, you know, if, if you really find a situation that you think is, is, is a significant improvement and is better for you, then, yeah, you, you, you make a move if, if you feel strongly about it. But, you know, that FAU situation is not a bad situation at all, at all now. Um, they have really improved their facilities. Um, you know, they've got a good staff. Um, you know, whenever I get off the phone with you, I've actually got a story from one of our correspondents down there in Florida about like the whole staff and, you know, all the people that are involved there, you know, including, you know, the Abernathy. So obviously strong Indiana family there. So I think Dusty May, you know, is happy in his situation. Now, is he going to move up at some point in time? Yeah, of course he is. At least I think uh, that, that would be a reasonable assumption that a very successful coach at a mid-major eventually moves up. But, no, he's not just sitting there going, well, IU's not open, so I guess I'll just sit here down on the beach. No, that's not what's happening. No doubt. No doubt. I just I thought that was funny. You know, he's just waiting for the IU job. So he, he's not. I, I, he seems confident 
in terms of his guy's not going anywhere. And I've been a little bit worried, I guess, for him that some coaches, some programs will come poaching because these guys have, for the better part of two-plus weeks now, I mean, they've been in the spotlight on the main stage uh, like nobody's business right now. And that's, that'll be tough to battle because I'm sure that they're getting recruited as we speak. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's not – yeah, yeah. Um, you know, um, and, but that, that's what happens. You know, big, yeah, big schools, is. you know, check around and see, hey, you know, so-and-so interested. We'd have an opportunity. And, and obviously, you know, John L. Davis is, is a really good player. You know, Elijah Martin, good player. You know, Vlad Golden, you know, the center they got out of Russia, very helpful player. You know, so they, they got good players, but um, you know we'll we'll see we'll we'll see yep. what happens. But but uh, but I do think I do think that situation is a little more stable than the casual observer thinks. Now that they've upgraded their facilities, now that they're you know I think they're you know they've got some boosters who, from my understanding, are a little more involved in a good way, and and obviously you know they're going to be able to pay Dusty more. I think they're going to be able to pay his staff a little more. I believe. Um, you know, obviously he's done a very good job yep. of making Florida Atlantic attractive to players. And he's, he's really connected to um, Dusty has Dusty and his staff work. They, they work. Hey, by the way, as we've been talking here, Xavier Johnson tweeted, it's time to get to work. So take that for whatever it's worth right there. As he tweeted that, as you and I were talking. So. <laughs> I'm assuming I'm assuming that means one thing more than anything else. <laughs> so there you go. Who knows? Who knows? You know, sometimes college kids' tweets are relevant. Sometimes they're just having a little fun, like we all did in college. Just with these guys, their fun sometimes plays out in public. So we'll see. You got you know, it. He, and I, I know he and Hunter Dickinson are friends. So. You know, he may mess with Uh-oh. a little bit. That's but. even more intrigue right there. We're really going to get the IU fans excited now. I don't know that it matters. We'll see. There's a lot of people <laughs> who are a lot of friends. There's a lot of people. No doubt about it. My man, I appreciate you more than you know. We'll uh, follow some of these stories as we uh, get into the after effects of the NCAA tournament and this season. And I want to thank you for all you've done for us, man. As always, Jeff, thank you. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Always good talking to you. You guys have a good afternoon there. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Meantime, Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline, his new team's Without Go Cubs Go, off to a 1-0 and zero start with the opening day win over Milwaukee yesterday. So our friend from Brownsburg, Indiana, Tucker Barnhart. Cubs catcher on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. How you feeling, buddy? What's going on, man? I, uh, I feel great. Uh, that jacket off weather that <laughs> y'all are going to get tonight is rolling through Chicago right about now. So. Oh, is it really? It's special. It's just coming down. We got a little lightning, a little thunder. Yes, sir. A little bit of everything. Yeah, that's what uh, we're planning on getting. That's not going to disrupt your activities tomorrow. Now, what it will probably will do is make it about 30 degrees up there for you tomorrow, right? Yeah, I checked the forecast. My parents are thinking about driving up, and uh, it's supposed to be 40, but feel about 25. So, uh, yes, that will definitely affect not too much rain, but uh, it'll definitely – it's going to be cold. 
You already know this. When it's 75, sometimes it feels like 50 up there. No doubt. No, it's all about the win, man. It's all about the win. What do you think? How have you acclimated right now to that whole Cubs uniform stuff? Better than me? It's awesome. Yeah, I can definitely say I've acclimated better than you have. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, man, we have a, such an awesome group of guys, a bunch of veterans. Um, it's a, a team of guys that have been there and done that, uh, both on a personal level and at a team level. Um, and we, we've talked a lot about just going out there and, and doing what we've done before in the big leagues and uh, it's going to get us to where we want to go. So it's a, it's an awesome group, both young and old, and uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun summer for sure. What's your situation right now at, at catcher? What's your expectation from when you're going to be in there? And I know you got two, and you guys are both good in this case here. But what's, what's going to be? I don't want to call it a rotation, but what's the expectation when you're going to be on that lineup card? Well, it's just going to be some sort of split. Um, I think it's going to – it always works itself out, man. I, don't, I, yeah. I think there's – no matter what position you're talking about, there's, a, there's some sort of a plan – um, headed in and then things happen and matchups happen that kind of make it evolve, you know, and, and, and what, what that looks like, I'm not exactly sure, especially uh, heading into the second game of the year. But we've, we've talked about ha- both having uh, or having every two everyday catchers in, in the eyes of our organization. And I, I see it working out. I mean, in a perfect world, probably a clean split. Um, if not, um, it could go one way or another by a little bit, but uh, we'll see. They, they always work themselves out. But I'm, I'm assuming you. I'm assuming you expected that going in too, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I think so. I, I think I, the way baseball is played now, in terms of the catcher position, there are very, very few guys that that catch over 100 games a year or, or north of 110, 120 games like they used to. I mean, I've, I've caught 125 games before in my career, um, but th- that was in like, I think, 17 or 18. So it, it just kind of evolved. They want somebody that's fresh back there um, that is in the right frame of mind, not exhausted in the middle of the summer so they, they can call, call a good game and manage, manage the staff. So it's, uh, it's just kind of the way the baseball's trending, and, and thankfully we have two guys that, that, that have done it on an everyday basis and that could if needed. Um, but we're in a good spot. Hey, Swanson, Bellinger, Hosmer, Mancini, you. There was a not-so-subtle change from the past to the present in this offseason. There are a lot of name-recognizable guys on this Cubs team along with you this year. There's no doubt. Uh, and that's what, like back to what I said about uh, we had a, a little team meeting before uh, our workout on Wednesday, the day before opening day, and, and Hosmer stood up and kind of talked to everybody and just, and just said, look, we've all, the most, of, most of us have, have played at a high level um, or are trying to kind of break into the big leagues and play at a high level. Um, and, and just going out there and being the best versions of ourselves are, is going to get us to where we want to be uh, headed down the stretch at the end of the summer. And that's, that's really all you can ask for. So it's a, it's a fun group. We're going to have a great time. Uh, our coaching staff is awesome. I've played with or against just about all of them. Uh, um, so uh, it, it's going to be awesome. I've, this is probably, I would say, arguably, and this might hurt, hurt you to hear, but this is probably yeah. my favorite team, a, a group of guys. Oh, that I've crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, that just ruined my weekend. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I knew it would hurt. I knew it would hurt. Great. Just great. Hey, where are you guys living up there? 
Are you walking um, to Wrigley Field? No, I'm not. We're staying um, kind of more downtown. We're in an area called River North. Um, it's, in, it's in the city. Um, we've always stayed outside of maybe my first year or so in the big leagues. We've always stayed a little bit away from the park. I like to kind of get away. I want to be able to. I don't want to wake up and see the ballpark out my out my bedroom window. I've never been, I've never liked that. Um, okay. So we're staying probably without traffic, uh, about 15 minutes from the park. With traffic, about an hour and 15 minutes from the park. So uh, it's uh, it's it's unique. It's different than what we've done, but uh, it's a good spot. You uh you don't take the L. <laughs> uh, no, I, I I don't. I do not. And I won't. I'm not a train that. guy. They freak me out a little bit. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely want to see you take the L, right there for real. Stucker Barn. What's that? I might do it in uni. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Can't believe you play for the Cubs. <laughs> you know, listen, listen to all these clowns uh, here. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Gr- yeah. <laughs> Well, at least it's are not you, the Cardinals. You have, a to throw, you have a bucket to throw up in next to you just in case? It sounds like that's where you're at. I'm trying, man. I'm, listen, <laughs> this has been hard because I normally hate their guts. I know it. I, I know it. I mean, I, I wasn't – I went up there in, in 2016 and I watched uh, – they beat the Dodgers in the NLCS. I think it was the – yeah, it was the clincher because all their fans started climbing grease poles and stuff outside of Wrigley Field in celebration. But um, I, I was it was tough for me to even get with them that year, and they hadn't won in like a century plus. So, But I am now. I just don't want to hear that Go Cubs Go song because I hate that. Well, I've, uh, I have hated it in the past, but yesterday when it played, <laughs> it sounded pretty good. <laughs> I said, man, I'd rather hear some meatloaf come over the loudspeakers than that. Well, you don't hate so. on meatloaf now. Oh, man, Meatloaf's terrible, too. R.I.P. You don't like that song, do you? I do Dang. like that song. I think Who I'm, am I talking I'm, to right I'm, here? Is this I'm Tucker turning, Barnard? I'm turning to your bad side now. This ain't good. God dang it. Sounds like I got Paul Goldsmith on the horn here. God dang. It's <laughs> <laughs> Tucker Barnard with us. Are right, you guys uh, back at it? 220 coming up tomorrow afternoon? Yep, back at it. Uh, face Brandon Woodruff. Uh, we got a young lefty, Justin Steele, on the mound. Uh, Going to be a fun atmosphere, fun environment. Weekends at Wrigley are, are a blast. So uh, no matter if it's 30 degrees or, or not, it'll be packed and it'll be, it'll be fun. You're not drinking that, that goat pee old style stuff, are you? <laughs> no, no, I won't. I, I'm, a, I'm a Coors Light guy, for sure. No matter where I'm at in the country, I'll be drink, I sometimes, drink Coors Light. Sometimes I don't know if that much better, but still, yeah. Um, <laughs> sometimes, just sometimes. Man, I'm really happy for you, though. Man, go out there seriously and kick some ass. Who cares That's about my tired, worried butt right here? Don't worry about me. Just go out there and swing that stick. Get in there and uh, have a great – because, listen, you got guys around you. And in closing here, who's – of these new teammates you have, who's the most interesting that you've learned so far? Oh, man. Most interesting. Let's see. I would have to go with Marcus Stroman. I, he's, uh, he would be the most interesting guy for sure. He's um, – he seems like he's pretty much always – he's always got a little bit of uh, juice in him, if you know what I mean. Yeah, for I mean, sure. He's for sure. pretty fired up all he's the time. A, yeah, it's a, it's a fun, he's a fun guy to be around. He's a fun guy to be around for sure. All right, so what are you doing the rest of the night? 
I'm heading to see John Mayer actually at the United Center. So I'm gonna see John Mayer, and then I'm gonna come beat the beat the hell out of the Brewers tomorrow. Awesome. Well, John Mayer. I didn't know you liked John Mayer too. You know, I'm giving away John Mayer tickets as soon as I hang up with you. Well, there you go. Please do. Yeah. What's your favorite song? I'll have James back at the studio play it. What's your favorite Vultures. Mayer song? Vultures. I have no idea what that is. Is it good? Why is it so good? Uh, it's it's bluesy, and uh, I think Mayer's one of the best guitar players there, there is, in my opinion. Just the way his style and that he plays with is pretty solid. Hey, seriously though, best of luck to you and and you and I, and Sierra obviously can go as well. Let's pick out a date when you're not playing up there, and I'm gonna come up and I'm gonna go up and see you play too. Don't get me wrong, but let's go to Ravinia Fest is a concert facility in Highland Park on the north side. It is an awesome place up there. Let's find a show when you're off at some point this summer and we'll go to Ravinia Fest. I promise you're going to love it. It is I'd it's like a it's yeah, I mean it's it's like a like a very miniature um Ruoff music center. I mean it's it's smaller. It's kind of a wine and cheese uh in the woods crowd but then a you know having some fun up front crowd. It's an awesome venue to see a show. Let's do that sometime. That sounds great. Sierra gave me the thumbs up when she heard you say wine and cheese, so she's in. Wine. Wine and cheese. And you and I, will we'll get Brent Halverson's with me right here. We'll get Brent Halverson to bring. He can come with us, except we'll have to go see something related to the Grateful Dead, won't we, buddy? Well, absolutely. <laughs> Mayor's part of it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> so. yeah, he had, he's played for him for a while. I don't know if he's Yeah, he's, he's, not, he's doing their, this is their last tour, Tucker. How are you, man? Uh, he, yeah, this last one, this... You too, my friend. You too. Looking forward to uh, get a chance to see you. And, and I think what John's talking about would be yep. great. I'll bring some booze, right? Get some good bourbon. We come up and sip on. Hey, I, I do have a quick question okay. for you. You're, you're going to be uh, in Cincinnati. You're going to be at the the original hometown area uh, coming up uh, first of the week next week, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. How, how's that yeah. for you? I know there's not a lot of familiar faces still there, but uh, how is that when you go back to Cincinnati? Well, it's, it's really cool. It'll be the first time I've gone back since I played there, so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I mean, hell, I spent eight, I spent eight years there uh, in the major leagues, and obviously they drafted me uh, in 2009. So I, there's so many people there that are, work behind the scenes that I'm excited to see, um, guys that I've played with that are still there. Not a lot of them, but some. Uh, I'm excited to see those guys and coaches as well. So saw them in spring training a little bit, uh, but it'll, it'll, be, it'll hit a little different uh, going back to the ballpark I've uh, been playing in Cincinnati. I loved every minute I spent there. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to go back and, and, and see, see all the familiar faces, that's for sure. Hey, that, that's awesome. Here's the other thing, too. In closing, I get a run here, and I know you do as well. If, if you hit a home run for the Cubs in your first game, okay? If okay. you hit a home run with the Cubs in your first game, you've got to wear your uniform home on the L. Okay. <laughs> you promise me that? Perfect. Will you promise me that? Seriously. Yes, perfect. See, so if you hit a home run, let's say if you're on the lineup card tomorrow and you hit a home run, you've got to wear your uniform home riding the L tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good to me. I'm in there tomorrow. So, uh, so tomorrow might be the, uh, yes! might be headed home on the L. <laughs> All right. The uniform on the L. If you hit a home run, that's our friend Tucker Barnhart. We're really proud of him. And tomorrow you can watch him get that first start in a Chicago Cubs uniform against Milwaukee. My friend, keep swinging it, too. Stay after it. We'll get you back on here again soon. We'll stay in touch, man. Thank you. Sounds good. I'll see you guys soon. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The rocker, Tom Deanhart's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Hello, Tommy D. What's up? Good, good, John. The Reds still have, what, Clay Carroll and Don Gellett, Pedro Barbone. No, yeah, they got a some guy named Alex Young, and hell, I don't even know who else they have. I literally, I looked at their their starting. I knew like three guys. Yeah, it is not like that. I bury my head in the sand and I don't pay attention. I literally knew three guys. Now there'll be some clowns out there right now, Tommy D. They're going to go. Well, I'm studying the minor leagues, and you know these are up and coming. I don't want to hear it. All right. I mean, I I said that we're basically around here. We're all a bunch of big fat losers. All we ever do is lose. And I I mean, I mean, and I know that Purdue, you know, won regular season, won the Big Ten tournament, but we know how things ended. We know how things ended for IU. The Pacers had a moment in December. But we know how this is going to end. I mean, with the Colts, it's been a foregone conclusion how things end. We just need somebody to step up and give us a consistent, consistent dose of winning. And it sure as hell not going to be the Reds. Because, again, I could see not just their bullpen, Tommy D, but their roster in its entirety yeah. sitting in here. And I couldn't tell you who any of those guys were. I hear you. I, I like three the of them, maybe. I've fallen off the baseball bandwagon a while ago, but... You know, you know, we would Purdue, John. You know, I guess you know Zach Eady flew down to Houston today. I saw, Gonna yeah, pick up a bunch of awards, and now the the long wait begins. Or maybe it'll be a short wait. You know, will Zach Eady come back? Will Zach Eady turn pro? So, a lot of anxious people in West Lafayette. And then there's the transfer portal too, right? Is anybody going to leave? Is Brandon Newman going to leave? That seems to be the player most people speculate could hit the portal. And John, would you agree that Purdue needs to get some type of some type of help a point guard in the in the portal too? Yeah, you know it would have really helped had the guy that we're going to watch in the Final Four on Saturday night for Lawrence Central ended yeah, up yeah. there. I, I mean, we and we talked about that all season long. And it looked like as a group in that backcourt, they really didn't need it with those freshmen being starters. But there became a point in time when they absolutely needed it. And you can certainly see the effect that Nigel Pack had on his team and the effect of the games to get them to the Final Four. And you can see why Purdue had that heavy interest. He's worth $800,000, right? I mean, uh what a fun story. Uh, a nice player, like you said. Just the lead guard Purdue could have yeah. used. The lead guard Purdue thought it had, I think, you know, one point, probably about this time last year. So, you know, Braden Smith had his freshman pains. Uh, Fletcher Roy, we know, struggled with his shots deep into the season. But it just seems like there's no real guy on that roster right now who can really get his own shot, right? I mean, I, I guess I'm eager to see a kid from your town hit hit West Lafayette next year. Miles Colvin, of course, Roosevelt yeah. Colvin's son. A dynamic guy, more of a wing guy, a real athlete. The type of dynamic athlete he usually does not have on the wing. How deeply are they involved in the transfer portal right now? And I guess before you can answer that, do you think that a decision or two might be waiting on the Zach Eady decision? I'll give you an example. I don't know the kid. Um, I don't know anything about it. This is just me guessing. I can't imagine if you're Zach Eady, you want to go out like they went out. 
I don't think you want to go out like that. So, I, listen, I'd be shocked because there, there's not some specific angle in which you go, you know, you're not going to be a lottery pick. And, you know, I don't even see him really in the first round. So, like, I, I sit here expect him to be back. I, I may not be in the right in saying that. But does this decision kind of hold weight in terms of what a couple of others may end up doing on that team? Uh, well, I would think so. It's obviously a big piece of the puzzle, and, and it could be a real factor in what other guys want to do for next year. That's a good point. And as far as the Zach Eady goes, I, I, I think I'm in your camp, John. I tend to think he is going to come back. Um, he likes he likes being a college basketball player. He likes living in West Lafayette. We all know the story with his mother still in town here and their relationship. And I got to think that he's going to be able to, the collective or other people are going to be able to come up with probably what close to a million dollars. Uh, wouldn't be a bad way to, to, to spend your last year in college, like you said, unfinished business, too. And if you're Matt Payne, you'd like to, you'd like to get an answer pretty soon because, like you said, John, they got work to do in the portal. And the first thing you'd like to answer is, is that key going to be back? So, Tom Beanhart of Golden Black Illustrated, I ask. Jeff Rabjohns of Peaks this a little bit earlier. And I, I know that you guys are just going to try to guess a little bit because you really don't know. I know how hard certainly they have worked with the NIL department creation and where it is right now in Bloomington. How robust is the NIL department in terms of West Lafayette and that Boilermaker program, Tommy D? Under construction, my friend. That, that's the best way I can put it. Um, it's called it's called the Boilermaker Alliance, and uh, they're getting ready. I'm told to hire a chief fundraiser here very shortly, and uh, they've got to really ramp up the staff here. Uh, I think and really have a more concerted fundraising effort here. So I think there's some there's some wheels in motion, shall we say, to try to really be more viable in that in that arena, that, that NIL arena, especially with the collective that works separate from the university. So I think Purdue's sort of tread water right now in that department. Are they a little bit late on this? It's been about a year. I think about last July yeah. they launched the Boilermaker Alliance. So, what, what, what's um, it? Why were they late? Was it just because they were kind of getting into this, kicking and screaming a little bit, or was there a different reason? I, I think that may, that may have been part of it. Um, you know, Purdue always going to move cautiously in a lot of things that they do. And I think they wanted to really move with caution into this new whole area of this whole new world that's now sort of playing a big part in college athletics. So, uh, like I said, they wanted to look before they leaped. And they are probably, I think, behind the eight ball a little bit at this point. But, heck, I, I think this whole thing's still under construction nationwide. You see where, where this thing's going, how it's going to look in three to five years. Tom Deanhart, Golden Black Illustrated, is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You mentioned Brandon Newman as a possibility. How about Trey Kaufman Wren? Yeah. The reason why I bring that up is if Zach Eady comes back, then again, there's not going to be a great deal of time for Trey Kaufman-Wren. And he probably wants certainly more time than that. And I know, listen, I talk to Matt all the time, and I know that the Matt has a great feeling about these guys understanding how you earn playing time with that group. But what might be the effect on Trey Kaufman-Wren if Edie does decide to come back, as I think most of us expect? I think he leaves, right? Um, yeah. I would not be shocked at all to leave. I think he wants to be able to play more minutes. But yeah, if he comes back, I think that's going to be a casualty. They Kaufman around leaving. So we talked about him. 
thoughts about Brandon Newman. The other guy you hear some rumblings about maybe hitting the portal is Mason Gillis. Um, so uh, those are the three guys that seem to get the most buzz when, when the portal speculation works up for Purdue. So uh, we're seeing all types of names hop in, in in recent days. Heck, today Hunter Dickinson, of course, goes into Michigan. So nothing, nothing's dropped at Purdue yet, but who knows, maybe we'll get wind of something here soon after the Final Four. Tom Deanhart joins us. Are they in on anybody that you're aware of in the transfer portal themselves? Nothing serious right now that I'm that I'm aware of. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll see. Like I said, we know there's the need. I think to help the point guard. I think we just need a guy who can score. Point blank, a guy who can score. Again, a guy who can get his own shot, create off the dribble, make something out of nothing when the shot clock's winding down. Those guys are hard to get. But again, uh, I, I think Purdue's got a glaring need there, and you think Matt Painter has, has, certainly has minutes he could probably sell too. Hey, Tommy D, is there still a pretty significant hangover going after that first round loss as a one seed up there? Yeah. And I, I, like people say all the time, well, this is something that will go away with winning. And while some of that may be true, I, just, I, I think that that is going to leave a mark forever with everybody involved. Oh, yeah. I think it's uh, like a scarlet letter now that's painted on your forehead, right? Yeah. You are part of the type of history you don't want to be part of. So now they're lumped together with Virginia. I know Virginia lost by 20 points to Maryland-Baltimore County, but some people thought Purdue's loss was even worse. When you consider fairly Dickinson, I mean, the fact that they didn't even win their conference regular season or conference tournament. Uh, so, yeah, this is something you have, to, you have to sit in that probably is never going to go away, honestly. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was unfortunate. We've seen Purdue play with fire before. Remember the 1996 game against Western Carolina? Yep. Almost lost that one. So, yeah, this was a part of history nobody wants to be uh, associated with, and, and Purdue's now leading the parade. There are a lot of Boilermaker fans that were stupid. And a lot of Boilermaker fans wanted to get rid of Matt, and I, I, I think that's beyond ridiculous. However, trying to find a solution to certainly here in, in recent history, you can go back even longer if you want, but in recent history has been an issue for them in this tournament. How, how do you think he goes about trying to, to get that and find that solution? You know, not just because they have it down regular season, Big Ten Conference Tournament, but once you get to the NCAA Tournament, that has been FUBAR. Where do they start with trying to find a solution to that in your opinion? It's always the guards, right? I mean, always. Never had, yeah. Gene Cady never had really dynamic guards, John, ever. But back in the history, I've, I've been watching this team since I was 10 years old uh, in, 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 the, in the mid to late 70s, and they never really had dynamic NBA-level type guards. So point guards especially, think of the roll-call guys like Tony Jones and Porter Roberts, Fred Dove. Even Everett Stevens. So that's the big conundrum, I think, for Purdue is, is to get those dynamic guards, especially dynamic lead guard. It's really been the elusive uh, piece of the puzzle that this program's never been able to get. And, and again, I think that's got to be a big part of the equation when it's done it so much in March. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious. A lot of people suggested maybe that that Matt and Bobinski would have a conversation about anything. And I, I, listen, I know that I, I wouldn't expect, you know, Purdue to overreact like that, but 
Have there been conversations about it? Will there be conversations about it? And if so, what should be said? You know, I'm talking about just within the athletic department and Bobinski and Painter and conversations that you have anyway, but certainly are even more higher priority given the circumstances that took place a couple of weeks ago. I don't think Matt was calling on the carpet at all. I, uh, I see, I've seen Mike Bobinski at a couple of spring football practices here and just talked to him for a few minutes. And he's, he's obviously 100% behind Matt Painter. was a little frustrated by some of the angst that you were, you referenced, John, and a lot of these Purdue fans have shown with Matt Painter. If you're in the message board community, it's just bananas. So, again, I'm not sure if he's had a real heart-to-heart with Painter. I think, I think he's got to trust Matt Painter to figure it out himself. And I think, I think Michael Benson does. So, it's something nobody likes. Um, but you got to you got to figure a guy like Matt Painter's got 18 years here, 2019 as a head coach. And that uh, he, he's earned enough cash there where you got to let him try to figure this thing out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, listen, I have every belief in the world in him, too. I do. And I, I, there are a couple of things in this tournament that I wanted to see happen and really neither did. I wanted to see Matt, you know, kind of shake loose of you know, what had become kind of, you know, the ultimate albatross around the neck from last year to, you know, going back to North Texas, for example. And then with Trace Jackson Davis for IU, because he had such a phenomenal career and the numbers he put up and what he meant as a player to that team, people were always going to go, well, look what he didn't do with, you know, the NCAA tournament in mind. And while they won one game, I still think people are going to go with that. So really, between Matt and Trace, you know, they didn't get done what I had hoped in this tournament they were going to get done in kind of solidifying themselves. And I'm not talking about to me. They don't have to do that to me or anybody that's halfway decently sane. But there, you know, would be a more than a pocket of folks out there that, or as uh, I like to call numb nuts, that you're going to have to prove both sides of it too. And that was unfortunate. Neither one really did kind of squash that NCAA tournament talk when it was all said and done. Uh, uh, unfulfilling on both uh, both departments and both schools, no doubt. Um, honestly, though, John, how deep did you think Purdue was really going to get? Did you really think that team was that good? Did you really think it was Final Four good? Number one, number two. Yeah, Purdue? Look at the Big Ten. I, I always ask people, look back the last 20 years, how many Big Ten lottery picks have there been, John? How many, how many Big Ten players are truly NBA stars right now? How many can you name? Right. I, I, I know what you mean there, but I, I, I look at it. That good. I don't think the league's that good. I, I, I would tend to agree with you, but regarding Purdue, the thing that stood out to me until late in the season when their shots just went away and then the press has caught up with them was what they were able to do on the road and a couple of times at home in one possession games. I just thought because of Edie's presence – and because of the way these guys handled in one possession games, those tough moments, that that was going to be a way to build and solidify yourselves once you got into the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, once they slid in there, you just saw what has happened to them in the past. I mean, you, you saw basically what, what FDU did is what North Texas did. It, it's what St. Peter's did. I mean, it, yeah. it really was kind of Groundhog Day 
you know, in terms of, of what was done against them. So, yeah, I did. I had aspirations for this team because I just thought in close situations, which we have seen in this tournament, that teams are going to need and have to thrive in. I thought they were going to have that. And then ultimately, as we saw, they didn't. Well, for me, maybe the most disappointing thing was the inability to hit open shots, for crying out loud. That's it. I mean, that's, that's it. Few, hey, that, hey, that's hey Tommy D, play off of this, too. They had guys that were scared of it. Yeah. That, 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 that is was, the that major concern. They had dudes that ran from the basketball yeah. in those yeah. moments, and you can't have it. Yeah. Well, that was, to me, that was maybe the most disappointing thing. Like you talked about, fear of, fear of the big moment playing hot potato with the ball, not wanting to take a shot, not even being able to hit open shots. That's the beauty of having Zach Eady, right? We all know the attention he's going to command. They're going to dare you to shoot. And Purdue just has had an inability to hit open shots. And that, that, that had been going on for well over a month. So, yeah. again, ask yourself this, though, John, really with two true freshman guards, you really thought Purdue had a chance to make the Final Four. I did. I did, honestly. I, I, I was a believer. I was an absolute believer in this team. And, again, it was because of what you saw. And I guess I should have factored in the entirety of the season and the way they looked down the stretch. But it was in those one-possession games and just looking yeah. strong and then having, having an ultimate guy that you could go to and get it. And you watched, you know, you watched Fairleigh Dickinson surround Edie with three guys and just say, hey, you guys step into a three right here. We're going to let you uh, because we don't think either A, you want it, or B, you're going to hit it. And both happened. Yeah, I did. I, I did. They, they built belief in me. So I guess I was fooled. Well, it's funny because had they won, they would have played Ford Atlantic, which, of course, is now in the Final Four, right? <laughs> well, I mean, Dusty May, Dusty May has been a friend of mine for 40 years. We went to the same high school. I saw and, that. Eastern, Eastern Green, is it? Yeah, and I'm really proud of what he has done, and that could have Unreal. certainly changed the dynamic altogether. But he has, he has a team that, you know, ran rough shot through the season. Like lost three games, Ole Miss, Middle Tennessee, and then the UAB in this regular season. And you saw what is the difference in what we've talked about earlier, their guard play. Their guard play step up. And, and Tommy D, it's not like we're just talking about a couple of guys in the backcourt. They have three, four, five dudes that are interchangeable that they can bring in and then sit down and then bring back in. That's what Matt needs to start thinking about when you're thinking about having success in this tournament is that position having depth at that position being quicker to the ball at that position I, I don't I don't know and I look at it this way I don't know if you can do that with Zach there can you I don't know I don't know. I still think, though, back to FAU, they're a run over San Diego State from playing for the national title. Let that sink in for a minute. Uh, but, yeah. no, you know, again, they, uh, they, 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 need, they need help a point guard. We all know that. And, uh, like I said, that's, uh, that, that's going to be, you know, Matt Painter's marching orders. And, he's, John, he's always so cognizant and so aware, not one to disrupt team chemistry. Yeah. Some people say he's not going to go chase the next shiny object in the transfer portal. Uh, he's not going to go chase Caleb Lover. He's never been a guy who chased resumes or stars. He wants to make sure he brings in not just a talented guy, but a guy who's going to fit in. And uh, that's, that's, that's his M.O. Right. And 
We'll see. He's never had a lot of great luck landing real gems out of the portal. They've always been more complimentary guys. I think at this point you need a guy who's a little bit of cut above this time out of the portal. Yeah. I mean, you you got to go in there. And I just – and I do wonder about Zach. Zach comes back and, you know, you got kind of more of the same mentality. And, yeah, that, that's the thing that I would question certainly right there. Let me, let, let me ask you this. Would, you, would your advice to EDB to come back or go? I think it would depend on how much money – he's not – I think we all sit here and can say he's not going to get drafted in round number one in the NBA, but where can he make his money and how much of the money can he make? Where, so you would have to tell me in, in terms of the NIL and West Lafayette, how much money is there to be made for I him there I, compared to I how think, much you might make someplace else? I think it's between 800000 and a million dollars maybe. Top end, that's my guess, top end from some of the people I talk with. I don't know what they make in the G League. I don't know what they make. It's not that. Teams. It's not close to that. Yeah. He's probably going to be a late second round pick. You would think if he gets picked at all. You know right. what? To me, if I can make a million dollars and be a big man on campus, only play 35 games, I think I'm going to check that box and take that pass. That's just me. I had said this too. If I were Trace, I might have thought about going back with one more year. Knowing how much really? he was going to make. Yeah. I mean, I, but five years would be too many. There's no doubt. But I would have thought about it, knowing how much money he was going to make, even though he's probably now at least made himself into a midway to late first round pick. So then you have to go. But uh, yeah, Edie's definitely how, different. How, how, if I'm Edie, I would definitely come back. How much better can Zach Edie get? I, that's, I mean, that's it. I mean, is he going to come back? Is he going to be able to face up? Is he going to like going to be able to shoot a jump shot one of these days? That's, you think? That's the missing thing. Probably not. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I guess I wouldn't see him enough. I don't know if I've ever seen him take a face-up shot. I haven't either. No. But if he could ever hit that ten-foot shot from the elbow or uh, just just facing the basket, my goodness, you're talking about a whole other thing. So. You would yeah. think physically, talent-wise, there's probably not much he can really get better at at this level. But again, like you said, John, it's going to probably come down to the money. It always comes down to the money. And, and, and lifestyle, what you want to do, you got to be happy, right? Yep. So, uh, yep. sure he's weighing everything right now. He seems like a pretty level-headed guy. My man, I appreciate you. We'll stay in touch over this, too, and see if anything happens, Tommy D. But have a great weekend, and uh, we'll uh, get back with you at some point further down the road. Thank you, buddy. Anytime, my friend. Take care, John. Bye-bye. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Also right now on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Podline, friend of the show who had an outstanding time. I could see it. I saw it right before me when he was getting deep in on Bobby Brown's Roney. I knew he was having a good night. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio joins us now. You were getting down with your rendition of Roney last Friday night. That was impressive. Man, Jay, I was in heaven a week ago. Over at the uh, field house, I had a great time. Shout out, shout out to our guy Dion for uh, taking care of everything for us. Um, I had a number of students who followed me on Twitter and said they they were shocked to see me in in, in, in that mindset. I was like, y'all don't understand. 
Y'all weren't born when these songs came out. I, I, I was on top of the world. You couldn't tell my ass anything. <laughs> when, it came, when it came to my singing, you couldn't say a word. I, I, I thought I was going to go on stage and join the fellas up there singing. Telling you. That was... I said this afterwards. I said I would go... I'd go to another one. I'd go to another one immediately. It was that good from start to finish. I mean, there was, I mean, other than when I think Keith Sweat, I don't know if he got tired or he was a little drunk or what. He went off stage and some dude came up there with Teddy Riley and started uh, singing Just Got Paid by the late Johnny Kemp. I mean, other than that, and it was still good. Uh, you could not ask for anything better from top to bottom right there. No, you couldn't. It, it, that, that, was, that was the best part. It was that they were, that was way better than what we experienced when we went to the concert at, up in Anderson. I thought, I thought New Edition, even our boy Bobby Brown killed yeah. it as far as conditioning goes. He, he was in shape. He was letting it fly. They were up there for an hour and a half. Did you realize that? No, I know it. Yeah, yeah. They, they gave it to you, man. And they, you know what, Mike? They gave you every single song, too. They gave you everything yeah. from, from the entire new edition, Bobby Brown, uh, Ralph Tresvant, Johnny Gill, uh, Bell Biv DeVoe, the entire catalog they gave you. And when Johnny Gill got up there to do his thing, I felt bad for everybody else because he's just, he's different. His voice is different than everybody else's. It was almost like he was showing off. Yeah, and he's like, hey, I was the last member of the group, but I'm the one with the best voice. The only person who struggled, in my opinion, was Aaron Hall as a member of Guy. I thought yeah. his, his voice was very raspy. His age was up there. It's like he had been smoking cartons of cigarettes. That's how he sounded when he was up there. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. <laughs> yeah. That was, the, that was the only one that struggled. But beyond that, I, yeah. that every, everybody kicked ass. No, it was great, man. It was. I had a great time. We know our guy, Manny. I still haven't heard from Manny. I called him on Saturday, and I wanted to make sure Manny was okay because last time we heard from Manny, he was holed up in a back stall in the bathroom, I think, right? So that's the last time we'd heard from Manny. Uh, but he did call yeah. in, I think, earlier this week, but he didn't get through. Listen, man, hey, I wonder if Manny was – the way he was killing that mac and cheese and the chicken tenders, must have given him bubble guts, man. <laughs> he, he – man, they loved him in the suite next to us. They loved Manny. Uh, that was such a good time. Hey, Manny had like his own private soul train line with everybody up in the suite, man. He was bouncing, he was bouncing around with all the ladies up in the suite out there dropping it like it was hot. That was great. It really was. So that was last week with the new addition to the Legacy Tour to celebrate 40 years and Guy and Keith Sweat was a part of it too at the Abridge Fieldhouse. It was um, outstanding. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Did you know that today is the day when the Colts had to pay Matt Ryan $8 million, and they still owe him 12 further down the road. But today is a day when they owe him $8 million. How much of that do you think he earned? If you were paying it out by what he actually earned, how much do you think he would get from last year? Hey, he, he, didn't even get, he didn't even get the veteran minimum. 
Yeah. He didn't get that's that's how poorly Matt Ryan played, and obviously I I only spent you know some some mini camp around him, but the way he played, he was not worthy of the veteran minimum as far as production went. You know, it's funny I talk about Lamar Jackson, and it's a pipe dream. It's not going to happen. However, I can understand why Colts fans would like to see it happen because they've been promised a lot. There hadn't been winning, and they want winning and. And certainly you would think he'd be able to do that. And it's almost like at times they are, as Colts fans, trying to talk themselves into the Colts doing it or having interest. And, Mike, I look back on especially last year, and you can even go back to the winch year as well, but I think especially last year when Jim Mercer, you know, during basically the second half of that Jacksonville game when they got knocked out of the postseason said that by whatever means necessary, get this quarterback the hell up out of here. And then you had Ballard and Reich on the track down of a new quarterback. It's almost like you see stuff differently, right? Because it was Frank Reich that had mentioned, you know, we saw 90 minutes of tape on Matt Ryan and we could tell he could still play. Well, (laughs) you look at it that way, it's almost like you're trying to talk yourself into it, even though you understand that it's not that. It's not that way. He hasn't been that good. The tape doesn't look that good. And you're just trying to really, I said this earlier, you're trying to just jump into any port in a storm in this case right here. Well, the last part, repeat what you just said. Repeat what, what was the last thing you just said. No, you just need anything, and you're going to talk yourself yes. into anybody at that exactly. time. And that's what you did. Yes. What you just said is exactly correct. The Colts are so desperate at quarterback that they talk themselves into saying, okay, Matt Ryan still can be an elite quarterback. And if you're, if you're watching, if you, if you say you watch 90 minutes of film and he still has it, um, you, you're, you're, you're again showing that you had to talk yourself into being positioned to, uh, to to acquire the guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. It's almost like, and I, I think fans do that. I think I could do that. I, listen, I saw Anthony Richardson yesterday, and I'm not getting excited about workout guy. That's just not been me. But I watched that huge dude out there floating around on a cloud of athleticism, I go, my God, I don't know if he can play a Lincoln quarterback, but holy crap, this guy is one of the most athletic-looking dudes I've ever seen that wants to play that position. It was incredible. Yeah. So, would you, hey, would you, so based on his athleticism, would you say you'd rather have him over Will Levis? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to because I don't want to be that guy. But I just I don't I don't listen. If you were going to put that up against C.J. Stroud, I would say Stroud. If you're going to put okay. that up against Bryce Young, I would say Bryce Young. But you put that up against Levis, and yeah, I I just I was, and I know it's just a workout, and who really cares? But man, I thought that that was as impressive of. You know, and again, who knows if the dude can play quarterback, but as impressive as a show of athleticism at that position as I've seen. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, see, man, you and I have always been in agreement about not getting excited about workouts. But Yeah, uh, I'm trying not to. Listen, I need, you, I need you to control yourself right now, man. I yeah, know what I do. Hey, 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 get some cold water and cool off a little bit, man. 
Uh, I know. I need to yeah. look back at some Florida film or something when he overthrows a receiver by 35 yards or so, and they go, <laughs> "Okay, <laughs> okay." This is also this is also part of this package. I get it. So, man, and, and I, I know the, the the way you are about what you saw to Richardson is the way I am about Lamar Jackson. I I think the Colts should do do what they can to try to acquire the young man. In my opinion. Yeah, I just um, I still think and this is again going all the way back to the middle of the season last year. I still still think right now they have designs on it being Levis as they have. And we'll end up seeing that. I like Stroud better than anybody else. But man, if you're looking for an incredible workout pro day type of performance, uh, athletically speaking, that was pretty fun to watch yesterday, even though I really I, I really I don't get down with that. Like I did yesterday, that just looked different. Yeah, no, hey, that's totally. I, I saw the uh, all the local media members are going to all the pro days. So, um, and the way the what you the way you describe it is the same way that most of them are writing about it too. So, I to, I totally understand the excitement behind it. I to, I to, I totally get it. So we'll see how Ballard thinks. And I, honestly, whatever quarterback they take, I can't wait to hear Chris Ballard's ex- explanation off of it. Yeah, it's funny, too, because, you know, really the, there have been more media people covering the Colts at these workouts than there have Colts people. They've had area scouts at, what, three of them. And then I think Morocco Brown went down for the one in Florida yesterday. And, hell, I mean, Carolina sent everybody from Charlotte out there, but, you know, Michael Jordan, I think, to yeah. certainly C.J. Stroud's workout. So. Yeah, hey, man, it, it seems like Stroud is as leapfrog. Unless Frank Reich's doing a hell of an acting job, it seems like C.J. Stroud has leapfrog Bryce Young as the uh, top quarterback being picked this year. Very much seems like that. It does. It's Mike Wells of ESPN Radio with us. When are you going to be back on ESPN Radio? I saw you were on over the weekend. Oh, man, they wanted me back on. They wanted me on tomorrow night, but I can't do it because your favorite member of the Wells household has a tournament in Cincinnati. So I'm a. Nice. I'm gonna set it off, but uh, but I'm back. I'm back on a week from tomorrow. Back on a week from tomorrow. And are you counting the days down until your favorite NBA team ended season? <laughs> I'm okay with it. I mean, they show me enough to have legitimate hope in the future if they do things right. So I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm glad that they gave everybody a bit of a thrill back in December. But they've got a centerpiece to work off of and some other pieces. And I, we may see this team might be more active than we have in this offseason in a while. So that's also, I think, a point, a point of interest moving forward here. Hey, I, I hope I, I re- you know what because they they do have pieces and I really hope that um, Kevin Pritchard says that they got to get some pieces to help to help Halliburton and your boy Matherin and everything so that, oh, yeah. so, so that they can so that they can be in position to make the playoffs next year, man. It is like block. I mean, outside of that stretch when they were playing well early in the season, there's been zero zero excitement about this team. Hey, man, we're, we are so used to losing around here. We're just a big bunch of losers, even when we win, like in terms of the Boilermakers, right? Even when they win, 
it's still, as it turns out, you feel like a big loser because of the way they went out. With IU, even when they win, you still feel like a big loser with the way that they went out. So at some point, I think all of us, and I mean all of us together, have to shake loose of us just having this losing mentality because it has been more times than not in recent history where we've been just that, a bunch of losers. Yeah, and that, and that, and that completely sucks. I mean, you think about <laughs> between IU basketball rolling at one point, IU women's team kicking butt early on, and once the Pacers are done, the state of Indiana is done with basketball in, in less than two weeks. Mike, we're losers. We're just big, fat losers around. we got to shake that. I can't stand it. We've got loser mentality. Big, fat losers we are. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, hey, my girl Lainey playing this weekend? Lainey is not playing this weekend. I think they start maybe next. I think they got like uh, five coming up. So... I'll probably be able to make about two of them, but five coming up here relatively soon. So I think they go hey, to you, you, they go to Lafayette for one and somewhere else. I don't know. Hey, you tell you tell my girl Lane. You tell my girl Laney to go out there. She needs to go out there and kick butt so that um, there's a certain uh, school district realizes they made a mistake yeah. in the season. Well, at least I don't have to deal with Coach Perm anymore, so that'll be good. So, <laughs> hey, you know, hey, hey, I'm, not, I'm down, I'm down in Bloomington. I had a meeting today, and as soon yeah. as I hang up, the, as soon as I hang up the phone, guess what? I'm about to walk inside and go pick up and take home. Oh, you going to Mother Bears? Yes, I'm. I, I'm not the nice. one we went to with the Hot Shots girls. I'm at the one oh, yeah. on campus. I'm going to walk in there. Got me like, got a large pizza to take home. All I know is yes. Layla and Tay better hope there's some uh, by the time I get to the house. Tell you, buddy. They're, Mother Bears is awesome. And the, the campus Mother Bears is the most awesome of the awesome right there. Enjoy that. Tell Layla I said hello and everybody, and we'll do it again next week, buddy. Be careful. Uh, all right, brother. Be good.